Uh, we're getting back to normal, but today we begin a new series. I'm so excited about this. Uh, and uh, we're, our text today, by the way, if you wanted to turn, uh, as we're going to be walking through this together, it's Ephesians chapter 3. So uh, get that out in your Bibles, and uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we rest in your unchanging love, God, the, the words of that song. Uh, we are dependent upon you. We, uh, we can't take a breath, but that you gave us the ability to do that. And, and so all of, the, all of the, the stuff that we do is because you enabled and empowered us to do it. But today, God, we're going to look at this issue of prayer. Help us unpack it in Scripture. Help us to practice it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, again, we're going to start a three-part series today. And I'm, I'm excited about this. this is, uh, what, if, you're, if you're new to Venture Church, formerly known as Canyon Creek Church, uh, one of the things that we do is, because we're a church of many campuses, we usually uh, preach uh, the same message series. So if other campuses, for example, are preaching on, you know, um, ghost stories, remember that series? We, we were all doing that together. And so we, we keep right in line. But uh, they're, this is so exciting because they're actually launching their new Mill Creek campus today. Today is their grand opening, so I'm so excited about that. You should give a big applause to Jesus. That's a huge amount of building and, and raising money and everything that's coming together today. And I'm so excited for what's going on there. Uh, but I was told uh, a couple months ago that I got to choose so we're not doing this. This is it. This is us. I get to choose uh, something unique for our Palouse campus. And so I got down on my knees and I started praying. And my flesh was kind of like, you know, we've got a lot of young couples. Maybe we could do like a parenting thing. Or we've got, maybe we could do this series on relationship and sex. And I thought, maybe we could do that. But I kept going back. And like God, you know, was, was, was focusing me back on this one thing. And, and it just began, like when I said, what is the most important thing that we need as a campus uh, to hear from you? And and it was just undoubtedly, just no doubt God led me to, to speak on prayer. Um, and for, for many reasons, it will kind of unpack here in a minute. But the question is, is how do we learn to pray with passion and focus? The two things that we'd all we'd want in our prayers, you know, to pray passionately, to, um, to feel, to be, or to connect our emotions with our heart and Jesus through the Holy Spirit, and then, and then to pray with focus. That's always a hard one, right? Uh, we're going we're gonna to ask the question, how do we learn to pray with, with passion and focus? And, and really, how do we grow in our intimacy with God? Uh, because many of us will come in contact with him uh, sort of casually sometimes, like just bump elbows. But we want to develop an intimacy as we walk with the Lord Jesus. And so those are the two big questions that I'm going to try to kind of turn over today. And I hope that you walk out of here encouraged as I was like writing this message that you, you could go away with some practical things, with a challenge at the end, and something to do, kind of a little bit of a homework uh, thing that I want you to take with you. Uh, but the question I guess to ask uh, as we begin today is, how many of you guys absolutely believe in the power of prayer, yet you don't pray as often as you should? Just a moment of honesty, would you raise your hands? My hand's going up. You don't pray as often as you should. So, you know, I think that that's, that's a, something that we share in common today. And, and why is it that we know that we have a good God who gives good gifts and answers the prayers of his children, yet so many of us don't pray as often 
as we should. We don't set aside the time. It's one of those things that we, we add value to with our lips, but often not with our calendars and not with our daily schedule. I think there's several reasons why, honestly, just kind of stepping back here for a second. Some people just don't know how to pray. They've never been taught. They've actually never been discipled in that area. They don't know how to pray, or maybe they do, but they lack the confidence. Um, you know, they're always like, hey, am I doing it right? You know, as you've been to pray, it's kind of like, wow, you know, you're comparing yourself to other people, but the confidence isn't there. So, so some honestly just get bored, you know, with praying. They'll start praying and it's kind of just fall asleep. Anybody have that problem sometimes? You know, you just start praying and then all of a sudden, you know, it's just getting get sleepy, especially if you, I have a really comfortable chair. I know that if I sit in it, I shouldn't pray in it. It's a good reading chair, but it's not a good praying chair because I'll fall right asleep. It's so comfortable. And, um, and maybe, how many of you guys have like ADD when it comes to prayer? Like a lot of us do that. I mean, I'll get praying prayer, prayer for like a miracle. I'm just praying God for a miracle, a miracle, miracle whip. Yes. Oh, would make a great sandwich right now because I'm so hungry. You know, and it's like, oh, just, you know, you go down this rabbit trail and eventually like, I am so far away from prayer. I'm thinking about the political situation in Bolivia. And I don't have anything to do with prayer anymore. And so you can lose focus so easily on the subject of prayer. And I, I don't know about prayer meetings, you know, that when I became a new Christian, I, I would go to these prayer meetings and I, I just felt awkward, too, because uh, I was a new believer. I was 16 years old. And I was just kind of like, man, there's a lot of hand-holding going on here, right? And so, I, you know, at first, I was kind of like, you know, try to stand next to the cute girl, you know. And it didn't work. Uh, some people, I mean, some people are squeezers. You ever about that? Like, some people, and I always get, like, um, unequally yoked between, like, a hard squeezer and then the really limp squeezer. I don't know why, uh, but it's just kind of like somebody who's, like, really intense, and they're squeezing your hand. I'm like, and then they're, are they trying to pass along some, something to me or, you know, like, I don't know. And then the other person just kind of like, ooh, jelly, you know, like, come on, hold on. And, um, but, but the thing that always used to get me in these prayer meetings is somebody's, like, praying really, really well. There's always that person that prays. It's like Moses is a little brother in your small group, you know. He's like calling down angels and binding demons and, you know, quoting scripture all the time. And, 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 and you know, you try your best. I mean, I remember in these prayer meetings, I'm like saying things like, uh, you know, in you are Jehovah Nisan, you know. I, I mean, it says in your word, God, you are good to the last drop. <laughs> I mean, just try, right? God, you are like a good neighbor, always there. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, you know? I love your word. It's so good that it melts in your mouth, <laughs> not in your hands. <laughs> I mean, do you still respect me as your pastor? Okay. But did you ever have frustrations like that, just especially in these prayer meetings? And I, today I want to talk about really what I think are, are two mistakes. By the way, our prayer meetings are nothing like that. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, <laughs> uh, we, we have uh, two prayer mistakes that we often make, and it's very simple. And today I want to just hone in on those two things. And one of them, I believe that our prayers are often very small. They're too small. Uh, they're, they're too... They, they, they really are, are sort of so, um, so small and so puny that we often don't ever ask for big things. And so um, they're too small. But uh, number two, our prayers are often too general. So they're just sort of like out there as this blanket, 
prayer. And by the way, I don't want anyone to feel condemned by this. And if you, if you pray like this, my challenge is just to consider some depth and really some largeness to your prayers. And so please be encouraged by this. Sometimes I think that God has to be a little frustrated by the things that we pray because it's kind of like, you know, oh God, thank you for this day, you know, right? Or just, you know, bless me, Lord. Uh, bless so-and-so. And, you know, and I think I wonder if God is sometimes saying, hey, hey, look at where you live in the world. You know, you're, you're already blessed. Um, God, just be with us today. Well, yeah, you know, God be with us. He's here. He's already with us. Um, he said that I will never leave you or forsake you. Where two or more are gathered, I am there in your midst. Um, how about this one? You know, God, I didn't understand this one when I first heard it, but it's like, God, give us traveling mercies, traveling mercies. You know, again, it's, a, it's not a wrong prayer, and I've prayed that myself, but, but it's, very, it's very small, it's very generous. It, the, the thing is, is that we never ask for something big. I wonder if God would say sometimes, like, I want you to ask for something that's large enough that will show off my glory that will show off my wonder, something big enough that if I were to do it, it would unveil my glory. And I think sometimes we are kind of undercutting the power of God uh, because this is the same God that said, with me all things are possible. Now, I will never say that what we are to do in prayer is to manipulate God, to pray something big in the expectations that we can pull some kind of magic string and then like, uh, you know, it will, will come to us or that it's like playing one of those little uh, grabber games, you know, where you, it, you, you know, grabs the toy that you want and it's always a disappointment, but that's not prayer at all, at all. Um, it's aligning our wills with God, and, and so we, we pray big, expecting that God's glory will be made big, that he becomes big, not us. But I'm going to encourage you to pray big and specific prayers, because general prayers do not necessarily move God to specific actions. James says you do not have because you do not ask. As an example, I want to share with you a story of uh, Martin Luther. He's a great, he's the father of the Reformation, great reformer. 500 years ago, he, uh, he had this uh, close friend named Friedrich Marconius. He was sort of like an assistant uh, to Martin Luther. And in 1540, Marconius fell deathly ill. And instead of praying a safe little prayer, Martin Luther prayed this extraordinary prayer that I want to share with you. It was massive. It was specific. And it was, it was filled with faith. And so he prayed, words are on the screen, I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Now, oh. Boom, like that is a, that's a big, specific prayer. And the crazy thing is, is that Marconius had already lost the ability to speak. He was very close to death. Evidently, he was hours away, the, the report said, away from death when he read this letter. And miraculously, he was, he was healed. He actually lived six more years, and they tell us that he died two months to the day after Martin Luther died. That's how specific the response was to a faith-filled prayer. I command you in the name of God to live, that the Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. We're going to learn to pray this way for the glory of God. 
And as we dive into Ephesians 3, I want to just sort of introduce you to the Apostle Paul. Well, I already know about the Apostle Paul. Let me remind you who he was. He used to be a persecutor, mass persecutor of the Christians. It didn't matter whether you were uh, a civilian, uh, woman, child, man. It didn't matter he was, if you were a Christian a member of the way, he was going to persecute you. And he did it with incredible zeal. He hated Christians. He hated the spread of this false, what he considered a false doctrine in Judaism. And until he met face to face with Jesus. And of course, everything changed. He, he said it was like the scales fell from his eyes. He, he could see. And so he wrote letters to churches and he planted churches. Uh, so today we're going to look at the, the Pauline epistles and in uh, several times during the next two or three weeks, looking at the Pauline epistles. And uh, you can tell everybody that you, you know about what a Pauline epistle is now. Um, but it's a letter of Paul to the churches. And he would pray in these epistles over and over again. You can see this pattern. It's that I pray so that over and over again as a pattern. Let me, let me explain. So we're going to learn to pray on purpose. And for this very reason, I'm going to ask that he's going to say, for you to do this so that that would happen. So I'm going to pray for this so that that may happen. It's a, it's a pattern all the way through the epistles. And so let's look at Ephesians 3.14. And he says, he begins with this. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Right? Did you, catch, did you catch the kneeling part? It was a few weeks ago. We talked about kneeling. And so I think what's kind of cool is for, for a Jewish man in the first century, the default or most common way of praying was to pray standing with the palms extended. This is the most common way of praying. Palms extended toward heaven. And in this case, Paul decided to kneel. We don't really know why. Uh, and perhaps it was just to vary the posture, but I, I really think it's sort of the intent or the heart of the person praying is often in need of uh, humbling and showing that our weakness before the strong Heavenly Father indicates that we might need to pray. And I, I don't know if that's why he did that. But continuing on in verse 16, he said, I pray out of his glorious riches, catch that glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. He said, I pray, there's the I pray, that out of his glorious riches, this is the heavenly father gives every spiritual blessing because God is a rich God. God owns it all. It all belongs to him. And he says that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Why did he pray that? He prayed it so that, in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So there's the pattern, right? I pray, in verse 16, that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. In verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The power part of that is really where I want to hone in on it for a moment. If the Greek word there is duname, duname. That's the Greek word for power. And uh, it, it it's actually shares a root with our word for dynamite because it's not like power, like a power socket where you get just a, a, a constant voltage. It's a blast of power. It's explosive power. And so what you need is to, to realize this, that, that he wants to strengthen us, not just with a little bit of extra juice, but he wants to strengthen us with explosive 
power, dunamé power, so that what? So that we, Christ may dwell in our hearts. In verse 17, it continues, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. Now, if I want to plant my roots in anything spiritual, I want it to be in love, in love for the scriptures, in love for Jesus, in love for others. And in verse 18, he said, rooted and established in love so that um, we might have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp what? How wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You might never have thought of this before, but God wants to reveal this, this to you, if you haven't thought of it before, is that, that God's power exists to help you understand the love of God. Why do you need power? You need it to know how much he loves you. You need to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Did you ever look out and sort of like look around you at other Christians and think, you know, I, I, why do they seem to have something that I don't have spiritually? And honestly, maybe the answer is because they have something that you don't have. Maybe it comes from a spiritual understanding of the love of God. It's crazy that you cannot naturally understand God's love. It has to be supernaturally revealed to you. In our finite minds, we don't have the capacity to even begin to comprehend just how much God loves us, just the enormity of it, the scope of it. Um, we just don't have that. Parents, I would have to say this, that one of the most powerful prayers you could ever pray for your children is God give them the power to understand how much you love them. That's such a powerful prayer as a parent to pray for your kid. God, give them the power to understand how much you love them. Why is that so important? Because we're constantly pushing up against a culture, a patterns in our families, just sin, all kinds of things that, is, that are attempting to get us to see things through our own sinful lens or really from something that the enemy has set up for us to see. Not, not God's love for us, but maybe our own faults and weaknesses all the time that God couldn't love us. So we, we, he wants to get us off of that message. And God wants to reveal in his power how much he does love us. If we pray that for our kids, we understand that it's, love is not something that God does. First uh, John uh, chapter 4 says it's who he is. Again, the love of God is not something that he does. The love of God is something. It's who he is. God is love, the Bible teaches. God is love. And when that overtakes me, and when that really hits me in prayer, it begins to be something like, this is not what we just do on Sunday. Christianity is something that we, we are called to be. It's not, we're just don't, not coming to church, we're not playing religion. It's something that we're called to be. Somebody said to the famous musician, Louis Armstrong, famous jazz musician, right? He, they said, you know, could you explain jazz to us? And I love his response. Louis said, if you got to explain it, you ain't got it. <laughs> And, uh, and, and so, you know, somebody would, could say, like, could you explain the love of God to me? And, and, and the question is, is, have you been immersed in it? Have you been overcome by it? Um, I've been praying that many in our church would have sort of a deeper and a more meaningful encounter with our holy God. 
instead of just kind of coming in and saying, like, we're singing songs at church and we're going to small group and we're coming to refuel, I want us to say this, that I'm dwelling in the presence of God. I know the presence of God. I'm hearing his voice. He's guiding me. He's changing me. I'm reading his word. It's coming alive to me. It's filling me. It's convicting me of sin. It's leading me to the right places in my life. God's word is. And I... I love Charles Finney. I don't know if you've ever read him or know about him. He was a great evangelist back in the 1800s. Um, and he was a follower of Jesus, but he had this really deep encounter with God. And he tried to describe it in words that I, I think are amazing because I can never seem to come up with the right words to describe the love of God. And it's this, the Holy Spirit descended on me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I couldn't express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I pray that you would all have a supernatural power to understand the love of God. You have to encounter him in a supernatural way. Maybe you've been dissatisfied for years in your prayer life. Maybe who you are and the mistakes that you've made are a big barrier because you can't seem to get through that to encounter the truth of who God is and the truth of who you are in light of who God is. You, ha you, you, you have so much. You've been given so much, but you want so much more. Maybe you have feelings of loneliness or inadequacy that that may melt away as you have a deep assurance of who God is and who his love is. I'm here to say this, it's very simple, that your prayers change when you know how much he loves you. Your prayers will change. It will go from bless this food to, you know, something deeper. Just be with us, bless our food. I mean, I, I wanna say like, instead of just praying, keep my kids safe, like that's, that's just an easy prayer. To keep them off drugs. How about this? Like, God, raise up my children in their schools to be spiritual leaders. Help them to develop habits today that will help them to become better disciples in the future. Um, may they be bold in their faith. May they be leaders. Specific prayers like that. I think when you understand how much God loves you, you can, instead of praying like, oh God, I just pray for my husband. He's such a jerk, you know? Like, a God, could you make him not be a jerk, you know? Maybe you could say something, you know, pray, pray like a prayer like this, you know. God, touch the heart of my husband. May he bow his knees in full submission to you and surrender to your son Jesus, that he would stand up as a fully devoted follower and become a leader of Jesus, a man after your own heart, that through our family that we might be different because of his leadership, that God, uh, the generations would be changed because of his faith in you. God, that, if that's, that, that could be your prayer instead of, you know, God, help him not to be a jerk, right? Paul wraps it up in verse 20, and I, I love this because it's sort of like an anthem to conclude this incredible passage. And he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to what? His power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever 
Amen. Through him who is at work in us, he's able to do immensely more. For what? Generations to come. And this is the thing, is I think that sometimes we just literally are thinking about today, tomorrow, what we're going to do to get through this week. You know, maybe this year we've been thinking, because it's New Year's, we're thinking a little bit about 2020, but the reality of life kind of gets in, in our, you know, in our routine. And I'm here to say this, that we have to sometimes step back and think generationally. Like the love of God is so real that as we submit to him and we understand it and, and we draw close to him in his power, in his power, that we are changed. And then that literally because of that, we can see the effect of it from generation to generation, that there is, there's a long obedience to Jesus that, that will change us, not just in this generation, but in a hundred years from now, like none of us, except for the smallest babies in this room are going to even be here, but our legacy will be that we raised and discipled those in the love of Christ that we are around. And, And this is my prayer for our church that we pray together, yes, but we experience the power of God in prayer because the power of God convinces us of the love of God. This is the message of Ephesians 3, that if you know the power of God, you know the love of God. And it's worth going back and reading this, not just letting me talk about it, but I want you to hear it and read it on your own. Who has that kind of faith to say, because you can do exceedingly more than we ask or imagine? someone who has the power of God indwelling within them. I believe this with all my heart, that our church will be filled with the kind of people who have been touched by the power of God. That's what I want. Because honestly, like we we really can't make that difference that we always talk about in our community, in Moscow, Pullman. We can't make the difference in our world, in our country unless we understand the power of God. Because we're never going to tell everybody, we're never going to serve enough, we're never going to be that kind of people that we need to be in Christ unless we are filled with the power of God. It's only because God showed up here and showed off. May he get the glory for generations after generations. This is my prayer, oh God, that we would stand up and be strengthened with power, God, that you would fill our church power to know how much you love us. Each one of us that struggles maybe with a sense of insecurity or loneliness, may God, you come upon us in power. May we find you because we are on our knees seeking you, God, to understand you, um, Lord, because you have filled us with power. Unveil who you are in power, God, as we rest in that, Jesus. Amen. How many of you guys would join with me and say in the next seven days, you are going to pray through, and, and this is, a, I mean, I gave you some homework last week. I said, how many of you guys would come up with your one word for 2020? Uh, did you do that? This is the next homework. So I want you to pray through Ephesians 3. Pray for yourself. Pray for those whom you love. Just pray through that scripture and thank God for those. I just, I just want to, I want to say this, like the people who are praying in this church are the ones that are keeping us growing and healthy and alive. And, and I thank God for those who participate, for example, in Refuel. We do that every Tuesday at 7. And I just want to invite you, if you've never been to Refuel, we don't hold hands. It's not weird. We come together. We, we play music. We sing. Then we love one another. We get together. We stand around this room and we share our hearts. And, if, and you don't have to if you don't want to, if you don't feel comfortable with that. But I just encourage you to try it because it's, it's, it's that place where I come, not just to feel real recharged like, um, mentally, although it does kind of help a little bit, to be honest with you. But I think what we need is a recharging spiritually. 
And, and we get that together as we, as we gather together. The reality is, is that we need each other in prayer. And, and Tuesday nights is that time we set aside every week, every single week at 7 p.m. We meet right here. It's a group of us that, I mean, and it's the same group every single 7 p.m. on Tuesdays. And maybe you've never tried it, and it's been a long time since I've encouraged you guys to come, but it's, it's really because we, we, we gather in unison together to experience the power of God because we need to be convinced that he loves us and he's transformed us, and we need to get out and do as much as we can to make other people understand the power and the love of God. We don't just come to church. We are the church. We are the church. God, I conclude by just praying that your power would come on just in this place, God, in the hearts and the minds of every single person that's here. God, that we, as a church, that we would submit lovingly to you, God, to your power, to your glory, Lord. Fill us with a sense of who you are and a sense of your love, that the reality of your love for us, the active love that you, that you sent your son Jesus to do, uh, to die on a cross for us, God, is, is immense. And I know that it's so hard for me to even articulate the love of God because it can't even be articulated. It's something that really comes from knowing your love and the power of, of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, help us. In your name we pray, amen.